everybody. Welcome to D-Bronx Podcast, your number one source for fan-based news and analysis regarding the Denver Broncos. I am Austin. I'm joined here with Kevin and Ian. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, I am excited to be joining you this week because we have actually pulled off a victory in this young season. Uh, Following a 37-28 victory over the Jets, we got some good things to talk about as well as some things that are maybe not as fun to talk about, seeing as how it was a victory over the Jets. Um, But that does still lead us to the opportunity to talk about a win, a victory for the first time in 2020. So that's a good thing. Ian, why don't we start with you? Just kind of get your initial thoughts, your, you know, feelings on this game and, and what we're looking like moving forward. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, pleasantly happy with the game. Uh, sloppy at points. Uh, we, you know, we are playing the Jets. I uh, was real kind of scared when Alexander Johnson missed that tackle, the sack, and then everybody else on the team missed the tackle and he ran for he ran for the longest run by a quarterback in jets history i was a little on a miss sack and i was a little off taken on that one yeah otherwise i thought they played well um judy that that touchdown catch was awesome because it was off the guy's face mask yeah, that was um, a getting mossed situation. Yeah, I thought I thought Brett Whippen did pretty well for I mean never starting in an NFL game. Uh, now mm-hmm. we can actually say that a Boise State Bronco won a start, which has never happened in their school history. Never happened. Never happened. Uh, he had a couple bonehead plays. You know those those picks were egregious to say the least. Um, Melvin Gordon looked good um, at the very end of the game. The end, for the, specifically. Yeah, because he ripped off that 43-yarder. Before that, uh, he was, you know, mediocre at best. Um, you know, he, he had 107 yards on, like, uh, I forget how many carries, but uh, most of those yards on that last run for that touchdown that sealed the game. Um, but <clears throat> uh, I was over, overall, I was I was happy. It's a, w- a win's a win. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Win's a win. A win is a win indeed. Kevin, let's go to you. Boy, we needed a win badly. It was about as mm-hmm. uh, a depressing a situation as you could ever find yourself in as a Broncos fan with the team decimated with injuries and just your quarterback of the future out indefinitely. So we go to New York and we beat the Jets. Yes, the Jets are likely the worst team in the league. But we went on the road with a quarterback starting his very first game. And I actually liked the way Brett Ripien, 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 yep, uh, handled himself. Uh, it wasn't exactly a tour de force performance, but he uh, showed impressive command, um, steady uh, leadership. He threw some good passes. Game didn't appear too big for him. Uh, he clearly uh, is lacking in arm strength and just sort of physical tools, but he made up for it. I think in in uh, he, he I, th- I think he he's he's your class. He could become a good game manager. You know, the type guy mm-hmm. that'll put up 215 yards. You know, two TDs and maybe one pick, and, and and you win the game. I mean, I you mentioned it last week, Austin. Um, but, you know, Gary Kubiak 
was the number two quarterback for the Broncos throughout most of Elway's career. A very good yeah. number two. Uh, yeah. Ripon, Ripon could could be that guy, but you know we, we look we look good. Uh, you know we've got a lot of guys that you know like Chubb, um, Josie Jewell, uh, who really stepped up on on, on defense, and, and Tim Patrick. Uh, you know his first 100 yard game. So so there were there were a lot of uh, things to point to that I think give Broncos fans some enthusiasm going forward. Absolutely. I am. I, I got to agree with you guys. This has been uh, obviously a rough start to the season, starting 0-3. And as we have spoken about in previous podcasts, and as is very much apparent to anyone who pays any attention to the NFL whatsoever, injuries this year have been absolutely ridiculous for the Broncos this year. So for us to get a win with the amount of injuries that we have and the severity of injuries that we've had, uh, that's big in and of itself, and especially with a third-string quarterback who's never started a game, an undrafted second-year guy, to to come in and play well enough to get us a victory. I think that's that's big, especially he didn't have his number one receiver, lost K.J. Hamler uh, during the game, so we were down our number one and number three receivers, at least you know the perception of where they would be in the depth chart moving into the season. Tim Patrick seems like he has taken a step up, obviously, this game. Played very well, 113 yards and a touchdown, which, by the way, that touchdown to Tim Patrick was just a beautifully placed ball by uh, by Brett Rippon. And again, it's an anticipation throw. He doesn't have the arm strength to just gun it into tight windows. He has to do it all with anticipation. But, um, yeah, I was I was I was happy. I I I know Kevin that you predicted a loss, and I I did predict the win, and. That means, unfortunately, my predictions have been 100% correct this year. Predicted three losses, and I predicted a win this week, and and we came out with a win. Now, here here's something that's to be said for uh, the Broncos beating the Jets. Now, again, the Jets are the Jets. They're not a very they're not a good team by any stretch, but we did score 37 points against them, so almost dropped mm-hmm. 40 against them on the road in New York. You know, West team going to. The, to the East Coast is always difficult. Uh, and we scored more points against the Jets than the Buffalo Bills did, the San Francisco 49ers did, or the Indianapolis Colts did. So it's not to say that the Jets had an easy schedule heading into this game. That's a very difficult schedule. The Bills, the 49ers, and the Colts. And we scored more points than any of those teams against the Jets, um, though we also gave up more than any of them. So that's, that's an issue. Um, <laughs> looking at... Individual performances. Brett Rippin will start there. I call him Brett Flippin' Rippin. It's not a good. It's not a good nickname, but we'll stick with it at least for now until something else catches. But Brett Rippin looked good, in my opinion. Now here we know that he had three interceptions, and that's not good. But typically, when you have a guy that had three has three interceptions in a game, you typically watch the game, and he's struggling throughout the whole game, kind of facing a lot of pressure and not handling it well and and you know you see the three interceptions as as being a product of that where when I watched this game and I and I rewatched it uh using game pass and I was like he doesn't look overwhelmed he doesn't look like he looks like he knows what's coming he looks like he can read the defense and it's just some fluke plays or not fluke plays but just like just some bad decisions in the in the in the uh which were, I guess, let me say outliers. Let's say they were more outliers to me when I looked at the rest of the game 
looked like these interceptions were outliers. One of them was just a terrible throwaway attempt. He wasn't even trying to complete it to anyone. He was just trying to throw it out of bounds, and he didn't get far enough out of bounds. I don't think that's I don't think that's a mistake that he'll ever make again. Um, and the other two, uh, one of them was a trap play where the defense uh, had the receiver peel off the guy that was being covered um, in order to jump the jump the short route. So that was like obviously that's a bad decision, but something that he'll learn from. Uh, whereas in the future, on a trap play like that, he could go to the deep man and get a touchdown out of it. So it, um, I, I, you know, I'm hard pressed. I, I know those three interceptions are hard to watch and they're hard to look at, especially two in the matter of like three pass attempts, which were bad, which let the Jets hang in the, hang in the game and eventually take the lead again. And then he let it, and then he led them down the field to, you know, a game tie or a uh, a game winning field goal, you know, prior to <laughs> that lead block to spring Melvin Gordon for that that long touchdown. Um, Tim Patrick looked great. Josie Jewell looked like a man on fire. Um, Vaughn or not Vaughn Miller, I, I miss him. Uh, Bradley Chubb looked good in this game. The only thing I'm worried about with the pass rush is it seems like we have to send five plus rushers in order to to create pressure and obviously that that sacrifices the uh the coverage ability now back in 2015 when we had harris and talib and and roby and those guys you could send five six guys and just man up behind them and and you were fine but with these with these guys you can't do that we're, we're playing young guys and inexperienced guys while aj boye is out um and melvin gordon looked mediocre until that last run because if you took his numbers and took out that last run he was again at like 3.4 yards a carry something like that but of course having a closer that can close out the game like that and break off a touchdown to to put the game out of reach that's that's big so i did like that now one name that i want to bring up to you guys and kind of get your thoughts on um is Devonte bosby <laughs> He gets put in the game second half in place of an underperforming uh, Bassey, Isang Bassey, undrafted rookie. What'd you guys think of this guy's performance? I thought Three he was past deflections. I, Go ahead. I thought he was great. I thought he was great. Uh, I thought he was never. He never should have been on the practice squad. He should be Isang Bassey should have been on there. Um, I mean, what he proved last year, you know, the brief. Vision we got on because he only played like two games before he got injured. Um, he was awesome that last year. He's just proving that he needs to be a starter on this team, especially with AJ Bouye going down. And obviously, we're probably looking, he's not going to come back against the Patriots. So we're going to need him in there for the Patriots. And he's just, he's just a, he, wherever the ball's at, he's there. Yes. And another player I just wanted to highlight and, and I, I think uh, Brett Rippon benefited from this, uh, DeMar Dotson. DeMar Dotson yes. stepped in at right tackle for the beleaguered Wilk Elijah Wilkinson, Wilkinson. Um, who has been a turnstile on the right side. Now, in, fair in, in fairness to him, he's a guard uh, playing right tackle, so he's out of position. Wilkinson's a, a pretty good run blocker. But he's a liability in pass protection, and and uh, Rippon uh, wasn't sacked. Um, so yeah. I, th I think you know Dotson. 
uh, didn't allow – he allowed zero sacks. And, you know, on the other side, you have um, Boyle, uh, Boyles uh, playing great. So – That'd be Garrett Bowles. Bowles, sorry. <laughs> Bowles. I froze before I said his, he said his name. Uh, yes, so uh, DeMar Dotson, co-MVP of the night for me. Agreed, agreed. I mean, it was, I mean, like Colin Cowherd would say it. I think Elijah Wilkinson's just like a lawn chair. <laughs> I'd say an orange, you know, I think a lawn chair is giving him too much credit. I'm going to say an orange traffic. You might trip over a lawn chair. Orange traffic cone. <laughs> I mean, they'll, throw, they'll throw the flag for tripping. <laughs> Bro, DeMar Dotson looked great. I know another guy that we've brought up in a couple past uh, podcasts prior to this year for bad reasons exclusively, but Garrett Bowles, I mean, Garrett Bowles just looks revitalized this year. I mean, obviously the team hasn't been great up to this point, but Garrett Bowles has seemingly turned a corner. Seemingly. Garrett Bowles is one of the highest graded uh, tackles, according to pro football focus. He's number five in the league through four games, yep. 86.6 playing lights out. And, yep. uh, I'm not happy that we didn't re-sign him when we had the opportunity to do so. He may be tough to pin down now. We'll see. Nobody, well, nobody knew. We had, yeah, we have three seasons that, of just garbage. We had three seasons of garbage. That to have this turnaround was completely unforeseen and extremely unlikely. Yeah, uh, Mike Munchak very, uh, award here. Very unlikely. Although the last, yeah, this, but you guys know the last five games last year. That's he, that's five games over three seasons. But he hasn't that's been as five in, games. He hasn't over been as three seasons. But I I don't know why everyone oh, feels man. he's been a disaster. Over that period, he started every game. He had problems with and cost us games. He, Go ahead. Okay, but he, he made he's made mistakes clearly, but he's been a competitor. He hasn't missed a start. Um, and then the last five games last year, he didn't even give up. I think he gave up one or two pressures. I mean, really seemed to be coming into his own. And obviously, he's been able to carry it forward to this year at that's, least so far that's that's far too that's far too small of a sample size when you have a guy that was among the lowest rated tackles every single year that he started yeah he started every game costing them games and being rated i know one of the years he was rated 38th among uh qualified left tackles which means he wasn't even in the top 32 three, three years he, qualified two to three years he led the league in holding penalties yeah, it, it yeah, it the was five brutal. Games it was brutal. too small, but it's too small of a sample size. Yeah, of course we're and here's four games. He may fall apart in the second half of the season. We don't know, but five games was not enough for anyone to be like, oh yeah, we should re-sign this guy. He's our long-term left tackle. That's what that's I a said. Real, that's a that's a real <laughs> low bar. I said for that you, though, Kevin. I did to say think that. He's a, yes, which is a real low bar for you to think that that's a. Franchise left tackle. I'm I look sorry. like a genius now. <laughs> For four games, I'll give you the four games. Well, of man, we had that joke of being was, a genius. Every time we talked about it, it was Garrett. Garrett holding on, on seventy-two bulls. Bulls. <laughs> every, every, and you every, were in on it. Kevin. Every time we ripped off a run, I'm like, that's there was some back. peer pressure. I felt pressured. <laughs> to hammer the guy. Um, oh, I love man. him. I wonder why. Wonder by the way, because it was a especially this year fact. with everybody <laughs> dropping like flies. I love a guy who just suits up every game. You got to give yeah, him no, credit. I, 
That was his qual- that was his one quality his entire career. That he didn't miss starts. Moving on from that, so Demar Dotson obviously looked like a huge upgrade over Elijah Wilkinson. Biggest upgrade in terms of pass protection wasn't necessarily the pass protection. It was Brett Rippon recognizing the blitz and getting it out quick or making the proper checks. I mean, I saw one play where he had like a six, seven man rush coming in his face and he just completed it on third and seven for a first down to Deshaun Hamilton. Just knows where to go with the football and can recognize what's coming. That's something that Driscoll could not do. Keep in mind, we didn't have a sack in week one. Okay? Drew Locke starting. Didn't have a sack last week. What was the what was the constant problem? Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll Rippin was knows, the main problem. Rippin knows how to uh, slide his protection. He knows how to change the protection on plays. Driscoll was and just... And recognize it and get the ball out. Boom. Now, now I will say the one flounder he had trying to get the ball out quick was one of those picks. So on one of those picks, he was getting pressured, had the guy in his face. Unfortunately, DeMar Dotson got beat on this play, um, but had the pressure in his face and he tried to throw right, which is when the guy peeled off, uh, peeled off his coverage to, you know, to, is that when he threw to Judy and there was like three people there? The, it was the pick six. That was the yeah, Judy it was the one. Pick six, uh, Deshier, yeah, Pierre Deshier peeled off protection or peeled off coverage from Tim Patrick, who was going deep to cut the under route, and uh, Rippin was trying to get it out quick, and of course that you see what happened. Talk about an um, up and down game that guy had, Deshier. Two picks, Deshier? Oh, pick man. Six, two picks, and then Tim Patrick destroyed him. Yep. So did Jerry Judy on and that? And Judy <laughs> mossed him. I was like, it's like <laughs> the coach had to have been like confused. Like, dude, you did a great job, but one of I the don't know how to come the... at you about this. Just go home. Yeah. Just, <laughs> go home. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm confused. Um, one of the plays of the game uh, was a batted ball where Lloyd Cushenberry, the third, by the way, the third, <laughs> swatted the ball out of a defender's hands who would have had the interception. What a play by the rookie, man. That was crazy. Um, but definitely much needed. I thought it was, it was borderline the play of the game, uh, to give the Broncos a victory in that situation was, was tough. So by the way, let me me just jump in real quick. We talked about rushing statistics. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the areas, it has been surprisingly weak for us, has been the center of the offensive line. Um, pro football focus, four games into the season, Glasgow is our highest rated interior lineman. He's the 43rd rated guard. Mm-hmm. Um, our, uh, shoot, uh, our left guard. Reisner. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, Reisner. Reisner's not even in the top 50. Mm-hmm. And... Cushionberry, he's a rookie, so you know he, he hopefully he'll develop. But he's 35th, and, and there's only 32 teams, so that's a concern, and that's one of the reasons we haven't really been able to get the presumably one of the you know, significant reasons why we maybe haven't got the ground game going as well as it should. Reisner is taking a step back a little bit this year. Yes, I, I do, and and here and here's why I'm not super worried about this. Not either. Um, Bulls and Dotson solidifying the tackle spots this year, at least in the interim, 
uh, is huge because that the tackle spots have been our huge weakness for years, as you guys are well aware of. The interior of the offensive line has not necessarily been a weakness for the Broncos. I think, honestly, I think Reisner and Glasgow have held back the numbers of Cushenberry. I think Cushenberry has actually probably outperformed his 35th ranking. Um, but obviously, when you have guys next to you collapsing, I think there's a tendency to try and make up for it or, uh, you know, whatever the case uh, you is. You know who the 34th ranked center is? Well, Connor McGovern. So let me finish my thought. Um, Connor McGovern, yay for you. Um, Dalton Reisner obviously showed a ton last year as a rookie. And Glasgow has a history of being a high a high performing guard and a pro bowler, former pro bowler. So I think those guys have a high probability of turning things around, especially with a uh, a line coach like Mike Munchak. I'm not super worried about them. The interior of the offensive line is is not a huge worry, though I think you're right in the sense that that probably is part of what has played into the Broncos not having a great rushing attack in addition to Philip Lindsay, their starting running back being out. But I'm not super worried about it. I do think that th- those guys are probably the highest probability of anyone on the team that can turn things around pretty quickly. The injuries, of course, are, are the biggest thing. They're the biggest problem, as we're well aware of. Uh, Drew Locke sounds like he's 50-50 to play this week. A.J. Boye, uh, Vic Fangio said, was less than 50-50, which, hurt, which hurts because, man, our our corners have just been weak. Devontae Bosby showed a lot. He played very physical brand of defense, almost had an interception, had three pass defenses in less than a half of playing. So that I think that's huge. That shows uh, his ability, and I don't think they should go back to Bassey. And I think that uh, they should let Bryce Callahan slide into the slot instead of having him play boundary and have Bosby and, I hate to say it, but O.J. Mudia playing outside. O.J. Mudia is still the focal point of most defensive game plans. I think he played very well last week. That that pass interference call was BS. It was BS. No, you're absolutely right that that was a BS call. Even the, even the announcers knew that was a BS call. And they said there's no reason that should have been called. Uh What's it? What's the guy Mike something, uh, who does kind of the head of the officiating? Mike Pereira. Yeah, he he even said that that probably shouldn't have been called. Terrible. So oh, it was a terrible. It was call. a terrible call. I don't think that was an issue, uh, but he was on Jamison Crowder, a lot in coverage, and as you as you saw, that didn't necessarily go well. Um, <laughs> Ian, you brought up a play that really freaked me out. Um, Alexander Johnson has a free rush in the first quarter. This is on the Sam Darnold touchdown run. Free rush on Sam Darnold. Wraps him up, still misses the tackle. Then he jukes Justin Simmons, Simmons borderline out of his shoes. But here's what's worse. Allen Iverson on the Kareem field? Jackson was directly in front of him and moved out of the way. Didn't even attempt a tackle, which was baffling to me. You know why I think that happened is because Sam Darnold he faked fake slide. slid, and I was like, "Oh, you sneaky little." <laughs> that's still that's still inexcusable. It, he literally got out of the way. It's like, it hold was on. embarrassing. You watching Tim Tebow? 
By the way, now, I'm not I'm not down on our safeties, but that was embarrassing. That, that was not good. But l- let's give a little credit to Darnold, man. That was an impressive run from a quarterback. <laughs> I guess yeah, I mean, it, was. Oh, it was a great so run. It yeah. was a it was a great run, but dang, like to have oh, it, those but, opportunities to wrap him up and not do it, man, that hurt. Uh, that one, that one, that one really. But we rebounded. We rebounded and ended up obviously winning the game, so it didn't uh, didn't end up hurting us too bad in the long I mean, run. The thing that was like they talked about before the entire game, they're like, "Oh, the only team in the NFL that hasn't led at any point in any game are the Jets." Drive. Yeah, I was like, "Come on, man! Here we go! Here we, we go!" go. <laughs> but then we ended up ringing them out to drive, scoring thirty-seven on them. So can I get Joe Woods back? And we scored and again. We scored thirty-seven on them without our starting quarterback, without our second-string quarterback, without our starting running back, without our starting wide receiver. Down one of our other top three receivers, um, Jay Hamler. Oh, yeah. I want to say down our starting right tackle, but Demar Dawson honestly is is the better. No, I mean <laughs> so that that's not really a valid point. That's Elijah Wilkinson's one of those people who are like, well, he's on injured reserve, and when you put him in the put him in the wheelchair you just kind of just let him go <laughs> you, know? you just roll <laughs> and let him go Bye. down a hill you know <laughs> oh no yeah just oh he's on ir let's uh he's gonna uh, listen to this podcast he's like those guys really don't like me do they oh, lucky man. if you're a right guard I've been one of his defenders in the sense of saying that he played extremely well in 2018, but what have you done for me lately? What have you done this for me? This league lately? is, what have you done you know, for me lately? He league? has played he has played bad for over a year consistently now. Um even if he played well in 2018. Talent's there, but consistency clearly is not. Um Or that guy. Speaking of guys going on IR, this doesn't sound like it's going to be an IR trip, but we're down yet another starter for this weekend as Noah Fant. Looks like he's going to miss this game. Um, Schefter reported, they said it's minor. He says minor. I think it's going to just, you know. Minor, but expected to miss the game on Sunday against the Patriots. We will see a Albert O sighting. We'll see. He's been inactive every week. Non-injured, inactive. I'd rather him with one leg than Nick Bennett. It, it, we're we're going to see a lot of, yeah, I know. We're going to see a lot of butt this week. We're going to see a lot of butt this week. Yeah, but oh, we're going to see some butts. He'll some somehow butts. sever his leg in this game. He doesn't have He'll it. have another injury to his leg, and we'll be down to Vanette. Oh no! And Albert O, I think, is a liability in terms of uh, blocking um, right now. Um, I think he is probably useful for us as a red zone target. So you know he, he's he a glorified a wide receiver, really. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a, he's a big wide receiver. He's a glorified wide receiver. Guy can't block anything. Can do it in Missouri or anything. He just yeah, not. He a still lot may of, be hurt. I think didn't he have an injury issue? He, he was not on, on the injury report last week. It was a healthy scratch, wasn't it? Healthy scratch. They want. They want uh, a Drew Lock back when they bring him in. Yeah, they want that chemistry. 
They want that chemistry. I don't want Brett Rippin and Bortles. And who knows if he even see? I think he'll probably. Ah, do you think he'll suit up? You think he'll be the second guy? I don't know, but I do. I, I, I you know, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. That's a good question. But I do have a hot take for you guys. Not really a hot take, but just a, just a question for you guys. Obviously, the news is that Fangio was 50-50 on whether or not Drew Locke's going to be able to play against the Patriots. Uh, let's say he is el- eligible to play, but is maybe still recovering, but it's not bad enough to keep him out of the game. Do you play him, or do you keep him out another week to be safe what do you guys think not another week i think fangio is saying 50 50 uh just from a strategic uh competitive perspective so the uh, patriots have to think about it a little bit uh, i don't believe the broncos plan on playing him he's too valuable um i think they're going to sit him down for at least another week uh, until he's fully healthy um and, and, and I also think that, that Rippin, Rippin showed enough to, to give him another shot um, to see what he can do in New England. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think in addition to those those points is it's unlikely, especially it's unfortunate. You know, I hate to say that you wish this would have happened a week later, but if it was going to happen, I wish this whole Cam Newton with COVID happened a week later so that we would be facing Brian Hoyer instead of uh, – Cam Newton next week, but it's unlikely going to Foxborough to get a victory anyway. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring Drew Locke back before he's ready in a game that's unlikely to be a victory. Exactly. You always got to learn from the Robert Griffin III thing. Like Shanahan brought him back too early, tore his ACL. The guy's never been the same. We don't want that to happen to Drew Locke. So. The Patriots without Cam Newton are a very beatable team, even though right now they're kind of keeping up with Chiefs. Oh, it's three to six. Yeah, three but, um, By the way, yeah, but we're usually recording this on dropping. Monday, Monday, October 5th, for those of you who are listening. Uh, so the game Chiefs-Patriots is going on currently. Go ahead, Ian. No, so what I'm saying is, like, you know, if, if he's you know, 85% healthy, like, just – your legs Same. underneath you and go under yeah. the next week, will, you know, be a hundred percent for the dolphins. Plus, I mean, there, there's a history. I mean, not, you know, I, I don't know what the best word is. Tendency history, uh, tendency. I'll say tendency, uh, of NFL players to have a second injury follow a first injury quite often. And it happens a lot with, uh, just kind of whether, whether it's, uh, conscious or subconscious, just a tendency to, you know, maybe favor other parts of your body to compensate or whatever the case is, especially um, with soft tissue injuries. Uh, there's there's a tendency to re-injure. So I definitely agree with the idea of keeping him out unless he is truly ready to go. You well, know, if he's, he's ready truly, to suit up. If he's truly go. ready to go and he's not still injured, absolutely fine. Go for it. I, I'd love to see him. But if it's, if it's a toss-up or if it's like, He's still recovering, but I think he's good to go. Le- just leave him out. I don't, like the t- I don't like the term 50-50. I don't. And he's still got, what, 10 days or whatever, you know. And Brett Rippon, keep in mind, he did yeah. that with, again, still really no time with the starters, you know, because that was a short week. He played on Sunday and then played again on Thursday. 
there was virtually no time for him to get reps with the starters anyway. So he'll have reps with the starters this week, um, especially if it's it's determined early on that Drew Locke is not going to be playing, at least internally. Then, yeah, I'd say give Brett Rippon the chance unless Drew Locke is fully ready to go. I mean, because he was a great quarterback at Boise State. I mean, I mean, murdered. I mean, not murdered, but, you know, beat down a lot of Kellen Moore's records. Not like, Most of them. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. the guy can't play. So, oh, no, he, he he can definitely play. He's got he's he's an up he's he's, he's a he, he doesn't have the arm like cerebral. everybody, but this guy's got he's a brain. Cerebral. He knows how to make checks into the right plays. Knows how to get the ball out quick when there's a pass rush Agreed. coming. He knows what he know where he knows where the holes in the zones are going to be. He's good. And and here's the thing. I mean, we saw him throw some deep balls. I mean, he can throw it deep. It's good not like, deep balls. It's not like he is. It's not like he doesn't have an arm. It's just mediocre. It's just not one of his strengths, you know? Right. When you're going down the list of strengths, that's not one of his strengths. It's not necessarily to say he can't fire it in there sometimes when he has to. It's just not one of his consistent strengths like Drew Locke. You know, Drew Locke, arm talent is his not, arm strength is yeah. through the roof. Roof, Yeah. I think I can't remember who who was it said it, but uh, it was it was one of the announcers or a scout, uh, you know, NFL Network scout or something like that said they hate the term. Oh yeah, he can make all the throws because this is the NFL. They can all make all the throws. You know, that's wouldn't that's be in the NFL. The huh? They can all make all the throws. They wouldn't have made it this far if they couldn't make the throws. If they couldn't throw an out route, they wouldn't be in the NFL. Uh, and I kind of I tend to agree with them. They can all make all the throws. Um, and we saw, like, he kind of underthrew that ball to Judy, which Judy obviously mossed that guy and made up for it. But then he didn't underthrow another ball at that from Tim that Patrick. Point on. That was he perfect. Had, he perfectly placed that one to Tim Patrick. He had the other one, fourth quarter Tim Patrick, on the sideline, which Great was one. honestly probably the best play, best uh, uh, throw of the game, throw and catch of the game. Um, he didn't. His arm talent didn't show lacklusterness, and even not even that ball to uh, Tim Patrick in the end zone. Again, Tim Pat saying his name a lot. That touchdown pass. I mean, he had to needle that in, and it even got tipped slightly. Um, and Tim Patrick was able to hold that on. So that was a tight window to throw into, and was able to deliver that pass uh, on time and on point. So, so, not super worried about that fact. And I I've always been a guy where I I. I'm going to value a guy's ability to read the defense, make changes, play smart versus their physical abilities. And physical abilities don't mean anything if you can't read the defense. Yeah, Paxton Lynch. I mean, Brock, I mean, there's a number of Brock Oswald, a number of examples both within the Broncos history as well as outside of the Broncos history. So any, any other notes that you guys want to want to, uh, you know, touch on in this game before we move on? A Josie Jewel. I did touch on him. Oh, you did. That's he played right. like That's a man on fire. Uh, yeah. Two sacks. Yeah. Uh, him. AJ Johnson still looks good. Um, Alexander Johnson. That's how he wants to be called. Um, I mean, pretty much. I think we pretty much cover all the good points. Agree. Great. Well. I do want to hit, so we're going to move on uh, to talking kind of about the Patriots game. There's not a whole lot to talk about because we don't necessarily know what's going to happen yet with Cam Newton, and obviously they're playing their game against the Chiefs right now. But before we move on to that, we did introduce a new segment last week called Checkdowns, 
where we basically we just touch on a couple topics that we feel is worth mentioning, but not necessarily worth spending a whole lot of time on uh, in regards to uh, podcast running time. So uh, so I know you guys, we talked, we, we, we all have a couple check downs we wanted to hit on. And uh, the first one that I wanted to hit on was was actually kind of about tonight's game. Uh, with between the Chiefs and the Patriots, but also about the Broncos. Uh, and this is actually per NFL Research Twitter. Um, tonight's first Monday night game, of course, between the Chiefs and the Patriots, matches Super Bowl 53 and 54 champions. Okay, the champion Patriots and champion Chiefs. In the last 11 meetings of the previous two Super Bowl champions, the reigning champ, the most recent champ, has won 10 of those 11 times. The one loss in that span, the 2016 Broncos at the hands of the Patriots. We came off that 2015 uh, victory over the Panthers, and we lost to the Patriots that season. Uh, So that's my first one. Kevin, why don't you go ahead? Uh, Since 2016, the 2016 season, right? So the season immediately following the Super Bowl win, to present, how many starting quarterbacks have the Broncos featured? Nine. Nine. You guys are good. Yep. That speaks volumes about the instability and struggles we've had. Let's just hope Drew Locke is the man and can stay healthy. We hope he's the guy and that he shakes this early career injury prone. Ian, go ahead. So now, Driscoll. Blake Bortles are now teammates. Not saying that we want that, but they are. <laughs> they are. But in Florida, in high school, they used to be rival high school quarterbacks. The only reason they didn't play on the same team is because district split two schools and built built another school. So Driscoll started on one school, and Blake Bortles started another. So now. All the way back to the you know early two thousands. Now they're back together as teammates from uh, rivals from the same high school. I mean, from the same area in Florida. City, yeah, same yeah. city for sure. Uh, that's crazy, especially when you consider the fact that Jeff Driscoll was the highly rated uh, recruit coming out of high school in Blake. Bortles. It wasn't Bortles. It, was not. <laughs> it wasn't Bortles. It ended up switching later on in their career. Um, Broncos did announce that they're going to limit home crowds for the rest of the season to fifty seven hundred. So be sure, Broncos fans, to secure those tickets if you can, though they might be limited to season ticket holders. I have not heard. Kevin, go ahead. Broncos against the Patriots this weekend. Broncos head-to-head against the Patriots are 26-22. and 22. They have a winning record, and that also includes the period that they featured a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So the Broncos consistently play the Patriots well. Trivia question, which NFL team the Broncos have the best one-loss record against in terms of winning percentage? Jets. New York Jets. Arizona Cardinals. Oh, even said better. that specifically Ooh. for my brother in case he's listening. Nine wins, one loss, one tie. Broncos own the Cardinals. Who was that one? <laughs> Who was that one win by the Arizona Cardinals? I, I mean, it could, they could have. They were. That, that was. Near, I. I, I can Phoenix? tell you when that was. 
No, no, no. That was 2010. Jay Yes, that was a disastrous season where we had our running back running back coach stepped in as an interim coach. Yeah, 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 thank you. That was the game he coached, or the first game I believe he coached. But yeah, Cardinals beat us pretty good um, in 2010 on a Jay Feely touchdown in that game too. Their kicker for those uh, who do not know, Ian, go ahead. I don't know if anybody's noticed how we were talking about the game last week. Not really a stat or anything, but uh, talking about the running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anybody watch how well both Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman picked up the blocks? Ooh, that, that was, pocket going. There was, was there was one, I, there was one by Freeman. Oh, that was unbelievable! After the, le- after the left, and just and blasted him. Who? That was great. I, that's what I like to see from running backs. That if you're not running the ball, you're essentially vision of the the offensive line. Absolutely, yeah. I, lo- I love to see it when people when they because that's that's one of the worst things. It's like, oh, you know, he's a great running back, but he can't pick up a block. And Royce Freeman blasted the guy off to the left, and I saw a couple yeah. with uh with uh, Melvin Gordon too, and I was like, see, that's how yeah. you play running back. That was that was clutch by them. Definitely clutch. Super clutch. Um do you have another one here? Uh veteran linebacker Nigel Bradham is signing with the Broncos practice squad. Uh this is per Adam Schefter on Twitter. Of course, the Adam Schefter that we all know and love. Uh Nigel Bradham has had a pretty extensive career in terms of playing time. Um, so he's got a lot of experience, which is great, but not necessarily a lot of success. So uh, definitely a depth signing here. Yeah, fun, go fun fact. Oh, fun, go ahead. Fun fact. Yeah. Where did Adam Schefter start his career? Denver. Do not know. Broncos. Denver. Ryder. Yeah. That's why he's always so close to us. That's why he comes on the show with um, 104.3 The Fan with Mark Shralith and uh, Mike Evans. Uh, I think yeah. it's every Tuesday. He has earned the acclaim. That he has, right? I remember when he was the beat writer for the Broncos. This goes back 10, 12, 15 years. I used to read yeah. him. And I used to think to myself, man, this guy's a hard worker. He's just cranking out article after article, and he's continued it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one. Uh, pro, pro, pro football focus. I think probably third time I've mentioned these guys. I spent a little bit of time researching uh, <laughs> some uh, some rankings before we jumped on air. But uh, – they announce a team, like a first team um, of the week, right? So all pro for the week, if you will. And the, Bron- yeah. and the Broncos had two players on week four's first team all pro. Like that. You guys want to take a guess? Who made it? Uh, Bulls Josie and Jewel. Tim Patrick. Josie Jewell and Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, yep. Oh. Well, yeah. yeah well, two, was it two and a half or three sacks? Officially? Two and a half sacks. Because remember that one, he okay. fell. Because I remember heard someone he say down. three, and I didn't know if maybe one of them got upgraded. Well, you feel, remember he fell down. Remember he was backpedaling and tripped over his own feet. The old turf monster got him, and then old turf monster. And then and then Bradley Chubb just kind of put his hands on his back. But yeah, no, he had two official sacks plus that one where you essentially Sam Darnold tripped. Yeah, it's all ghosts. Saw ghosts. I'm well. I mean, he didn't see ghosts. He saw two Denver Broncos running directly at his face. <laughs> so I don't know if those are considered ghosts or not. 
So the ghost of Von anyways, Miller. Did you have anything else, Ian, to add to the uh, weekly checkdown segment? I think we're pretty good on that. Great. So that concludes this week's checkdowns uh, for D Bronx Podcast. The last thing I want to talk about. Last thing I want to wrap. I want to wrap this up. Hit it pretty quickly here. The Broncos week five game against the Patriots. We already talked about the possibility of Drew Locke playing in this game, so we don't need to cover that again. Uh, I just want to hear you guys' kind of expectations or what you think the Broncos should do in this game to try, at least try, to earn a victory in Foxborough on Sunday. We'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Ian. Um, throw the ball. Throw um, the ball. Against Gilmore and I think they're not because the yeah, but I think they're I think. I read, I think they're two defense, the run, number 23 against the pass. But, they have definitely been playing below their talent level. But the one problem that we have here is I think they're the number one ranked offense, uh, defense against tight end. And not having no offense is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think you just balance ball, really. Um, Run up with Gordon. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think it's 85% chance that Philip Lindsay plays this week. Yeah. Uh, get him back in the game because we need some explosive plays. Uh, he's known for that. So, you know, run the ball. Uh, get Judy in there uh, early. Um, hopefully we get KJ Hamler because when he gets the ball in his hands, he can make some serious plays. We just haven't seen it yet because he's really been on the field that much. Yep, and even and even when he has, it's been uh, not a lot of targets for him. So a lot of targets, and and, and if if we're going against Brian Hoyer, um, lock down the. Uh, they have a great running game. You're gonna have to stack the box on them. Yep, they got a lot of a uh, lot of running backs. They could do a lot. They're of like five. Too. Yep, <laughs> and they, you know, depending on the week, they can throw the ball a lot. Or they can run the ball a lot. It just depends on the week. So, uh, for me, I would say uh, that yeah, they're. I would say the biggest thing, especially because this is under the prediction that Brett Rippon is going to be playing, and so was Philip Lindsay. Right. I'd say a lot of quick passes and a lot of passes out of the backfield to the running backs. That includes Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, uh, because of course we are we are down receivers. We're down uh, Cortland Sutton, and one of the biggest things that. Uh, Bill Belichick has done in his in his history as a you know defensive mastermind essentially with young quarterbacks is he's thrown a lot of things at quarterbacks that they haven't seen before a lot of mixes and coverage and things like that and so I'm sure he's going to get a healthy dose of that so simplify the playbook a little bit and also let Brett Rippon play with his intellect so let him make changes at the line as he sees fit um, because he is a cerebral quarterback more than he's a physical. Uh, physical type of guy. He sees the defense and reads the defense. Uh, so I would say let him make the necessary changes. But I would say a lot of quick passes, a lot of passes out of the backfield would probably help a lot with no Fant being out. And uh, defensively, uh, I would say, so again, we don't really know what's going to happen. It's hard to talk defensively because Cam Newton may or may not play in this game. We do not know. Um, but defensively, we gotta play. Uh, we gotta play. I would say more aggressive, like we did against the Jets. Because Blitzes. prior to the Jets game, you know, obviously we don't have Von Miller. We don't have a much of a pass rush in the in the in the terms of four man pass rushes. Um, 
but against the Jets, we sent a lot more blitzes, uh, five five plus man uh, blitzes, and it, it seemed to help a lot. And I think if you play against a guy like Tom Brady, you're going to get beat, but a guy against, like Cam Newton or Brian Hoyer, they can be had in the face of pressure. So that is kind of my my thoughts. Kevin, we'll go to you. A couple things. Uh, first off, this could be called a trap game for the Patriots. They're playing Kansas City tonight. They could easily look past the Broncos. Can't blame them, right? We're not coming in there with a lot of fanfare. And we're going to be traveling uh, with a rookie quarterback. Bill Belichick, being the defensive genius he is, is going to make life very second difficult. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, second start. But, yeah. Um, the um, – you know, I think we benefit a little bit because we uh, the the Patriots are working on a short week, a uh, short turnaround, right? Monday, and we we sort of have a week and a half because we played Thursday. Uh, I think Fangio will need the extra time. You trying to you know trade uh, when you when you're going up against Belichick, but I, I you know it, as far as Ripon's concerned and, and the team in general, we, we just can't have the turnovers. I mean, we're going to get slaughtered if we throw three picks or put the ball mm-hmm. on the ground. We got to play, mm-hmm. I think, somewhat conservatively, uh, not turn the ball over, and I think we stay competitive. And the final thing I would say is Cam Newton. I mean, the last two times he's played the Broncos, I mean, we have demoralized the guy physically. To, beat him up badly we remember the Super Bowl and then the following year 2016 opening week uh we we put a real beat down that was a different Broncos defense but he, he yeah he, four he, years in the past now he, he he may have some flashbacks when he sees the uh, Broncos logo hopefully it's bad no 58 Von Miller though no 58 Von Miller <laughs> his daddy that's his daddy amp, amp up those fears um yeah I would say again yeah limiting turnovers is going to be huge huge in this game throw the ball out of the throw it out throw it out when you're throwing it out don't throw it (laughs) throw it out it throw it in the stands if you are (laughs) please now now one thing one thing that people often forget is when you're throwing the ball away it does have to cross the initial line of scrimmage Uh, yeah yeah Uh, so so he couldn't just like literally throw it to his right he does have to cross the initial line of scrimmage so yeah it was a it was a boneheaded play but not as boneheaded as I think a lot. That's of that's think. that quintessential rookie mistake. This guy's never started before, so I I I, I wasn't like oh my burn 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 yeah burn it no down. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't too too worried like, about that eh, especially because that I mean sucks, he made a but... ton of plays outside of that. So outside of those interceptions, he made he made plays. Like let's just be real, he made he made plays. Uh, to your point, Kevin, uh, the the Patriots are playing the Chiefs right now. Uh, three to six. And it looks like the Patriots have the ball. They're moving. They might score a touchdown right here. Pretty good. Um, so you got the Chiefs, and they have us. And then after us, they have the 49ers and the Bills. So you're absolutely right. It could be a cha- trap game. They could absolutely overlook us. The only thing that holds me back from really putting too much weight in that is this Bill Belichick. He's not going to let them look past it. This is potentially the all-time greatest coach. So it's hard, hard to believe that he's going to let them look past any game. Um, the Patriots are the Bill Belichick is not typically one of the, is not typically somebody who's going to do that. So, um, let's go predictions, and then we'll then we'll wrap up with predictions. Right. Kevin, why don't you start? What's your prediction for this game? Patriots twenty four, Broncos ten. Twenty four ten, Patriots. Unfortunately, Ian. Twenty eight, twenty one, Broncos. 
28-21 Broncos. Me. It's a hard one. They could go either way. Here's the thing. Flopped. My call is entirely dependent on who plays quarterback. True. So I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna say this, and I know this is like waffling, so to speak, but I'm gonna say this. If it's Cam Newton, we lose 31 to 20. Okay. If it's Cam Newton, we lose 31 to 20. If it's Brian Hoyer, we win 31 27. Yeah, you're putting a thirty spot on him. Okay, I you think do. we have to. I think we have to score points in order to win. Our defense is too injured, so we have to. I mean, that's hundred percent. We have defense. To score points. If AJ Boye was back, I I might have a different number there. But thirty-one to twenty if Cam Newton plays. Thirty-one twenty-seven if Brian Hoyer plays. I agree with that. Okay. I'm glad you agree with I agree that. with that. I agree with that. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that pick me up to know that you agree with me. <laughs> if Cam Newton's playing, uh, I definitely give us a hard loss, dude. It's it's a different it's a different ball. Game I mean, I mean, you're playing too. It's what, just, it's just what, what, what's he the sixth running back? Gosh, I know they have so many. So he'd be the too. first running back. The other five or the other ones behind him. Yeah, that's true. He's that's playing, true. And, and Cam Newton's playing like a man on fire right now. Yep, I yes. mean not necessarily on fire this past week, but yeah, yeah, this, yeah, but yeah this first That's what they needed. So, anyways, uh, definitely thank you for checking out D Bronx podcast. This has been your week four review slash week five preview um, from Ian, from Kevin, from myself. Thank you for listening, and also make sure that you subscribe, follow whatever it is you like to do with your podcast every week. That way, you don't miss a podcast. We're out. We'll be right back.